episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Sanborn's Boys. This new sports novel by Benji Mellaris is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sanborn's Boys today. I'm Alex Mellaris. And I'm Tai Fu. And today is July 26th and it is a special episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast because it is the last episode before the return to play in the NHL begins. So there will be no prospect profile today. There will be no trivia segment today the vast majority of the episodes will be spent previewing the return to play and the playoffs and making our respective predictions for those series but before we start that there was another very big piece of news that came kind of a little bit out of out of nowhere this week we we were notified a day in advance that the Seattle Kraken who we didn't know were the Kraken at the time were would be revealing their team name and logo and jersey the next day. So I don't actually remember what day that was. It was like Wednesday or Tuesday, somewhere around there. And so it's finally official that the name everybody loves and everyone was hoping for is the name of the new Seattle team. Yeah. So we had like, so probably 24 hour notices are uh, in style because Seattle does this. Uh, Taylor Swift did this with a new album. So I yep. guess that's the thing now in quarantine. But uh, yeah, so let's talk about the whole shebang. Big release. We know the name, right? It's obviously Kraken. Uh, and we saw the jersey. We saw the logo. And I got to say, on every note, I really think this team just absolutely nailed it. And, yeah, just, just the combination of everything, it's frankly made me fall in love with with, uh, with the team. And just like that, uh, I got to say, top five NHL team, if, if I'm ranking them in terms of how much I like them, and they haven't even played a single game yet. Yeah, I the here's one thing that a lot of people are mentioning cuz like obviously a few people are are against the name, which you're going to get with any name. Some people won't like it. But the thing with this name is a lot of people like us really love it. And it's very hard. Like you'll you'll have a hard time finding any other sports team where people actually love the name cuz most names are just like neutral about them like oh it's just the Tigers or the Panthers or whatever. But to be passionate about this name means that first of all it's unique and they're like no one who really likes it now is going to eventually change their mind or like i'm sure that would be a rare scenario and the people who don't really like it will get used to it like we do with every sports name like like when the golden knights were announced as the name in november 2016 a lot of people were like oh that's kind of dumb and vegas golden knights also like they cut out the loss in las vegas which was pretty weird it seemed kind of like they were trying too hard but we all got used to it and it doesn't really bother anyone anymore so that, yeah, that, that's kind of my, my impression of it is that if you can get a lot of people to be really passionate about liking the name, then you did a, you've done a very good job. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you, you said it, right. You, you don't really see uh, a great amount of people like fawning over a team name, but that's exactly what you have with Kraken because I mean, that's not, it's, it's a totally badass name, right? It's got, it's got like scary vibes. If that, and that's what you want to go for, right. In a hockey team, uh, kind of intimidating, right? You can get the whole vibe going of, you know, Sea Monster and all that. It's just, it's a fantastic name, right? Uh, you compare it with all the other things that were in the running, frankly, all pretty boring. Uh, if you call them the Seattle Sockeye or the Seattle Salmon or whatever it was, Fish just doesn't do it for me. Uh, Metropolitans, 
also wouldn't really do it for me. It's not very exciting. Like, yeah, sure, you give a nod to all those histories, like, people who, like, you know, they would appreciate that. But frankly, I wouldn't give a shit about Seattle Metropolitans, and I give a shit about the Seattle Kraken. And so I give total kudos to that team, to that, to whatever, what the decision makers over there, because, uh, yeah, total spot on decision. And if we're moving to the logo, another fucking place where they just nailed it, because I mean, like, it's, it's a sick logo. Okay. Like all the different design principles that you can have for a logo. I mean, it just seems like they hit every single one of them. Right. It's it looks sharp. First of all, it looks good. Right. You look at the thing. I'm talking about the S logo uh, with the tentacle and the red eye. I mean, the whole thing, it looks sharp. Right. And uh, just like the name, it's kind of badass. Right. Uh, and it's simple. I could redraw it. A five year old could redraw it, you know, and you could you could, you know, give a pretty accurate re- representation of it. You know, not too many colors. It's really not overwhelming whatsoever. Right. You only have you have one main color. You throw in a bit of a splash of red. It looks great. There's no fucking words, so you're not like, I don't know, the Capitals or the Rangers or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, words on a logo, yeah, dog shit. And, uh, yeah, so everywhere you go, the logo looks great. It's pretty fucking I wanna, good. I want to thank Gary Bettman for something, actually, because apparently at some point, like, I guess uh, a couple years ago, maybe, Metropolitans was the supposed to be the front runner for the name for this team, but he didn't want them being named the Metropolitans because they already have the Metropolitan Division. So I guess whether even though it happened kind of ass backwards, thanks to Gary Bettman for making them come up with a better name and a much more better name. And I agree with you on all fronts about the logo. Actually, when it was first when it was first revealed, I was like, really? That's it? I was a little bit underwhelmed. Uh, but the more I thought about it. I was like, yeah, okay, the S is cool, and the tentacle is cool, the little red eye is cool, and uh, very easy to draw also, which is a, a very important point. Like, someone mentioned that like, th- this is very similar to, like, the fancy S that a bunch of kids draw in their notebooks anyway, just for fun. So you just, like, you know, alter that a little bit, and you have the Seattle Kraken logo. And also, like, if they had decided to go with something maybe more elaborate, I guess, like some some Kraken jumping out of the water attacking you, like... That, that was a really, I feel like, high-risk move if they decided to go for that because it could have ended up look, looking very like cartoonish and goofy. So I really think they made the right call on that. And another thing about the name, the Kraken, is like uh, an interesting aspect. A lot of people are talking about of like very few sports, sports teams, their name doesn't end with S. And I mean, like a lot of the names that don't end with S are like kind of goofy, like the, the Wild and the Lightning. And maybe even like like the Avalanche because it's like, oh, I'm a, a Tampa Bay Lightning. Like it doesn't really roll off the tongue as well. But the thing with the Kraken is that Kraken is the singular and also an acceptable plural of Kraken. So it works well on both fronts because you can say you are a Kraken or a member of the Kraken or part of the Kraken. So that's a, a very, very subtle language thing that I wanted to point out that I appreciate. Yeah, it works. As I keep saying, it works on every front, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look silly uh, when you when in the in the plural sense, and it's just I don't know, just everything kind of works for me. Uh, the, they also released what the jersey is gonna look like. I mean, I thought that was fantastic as well. I mean, I thought you know the logo looks great, just front and center uh, on that thing, and the colors. I think they had like light blue, they had a bit of dark blue, they had like stri- some red stripes. I thought just the whole thing, it just really worked in the color scheme as well, right? And and just, yeah, and it's just the whole set, right? Logo, name, jersey, it just, it all meshed together and every component of it 
just looked sharp. It looked sleek. Nothing looked silly, like like the logos from the nineties. Uh, it just looked, it just looked right. It looked modern, as you said. If you if you gave me some, you know, goofy ass animated Kraken, it just wouldn't be the same. This way, I know exactly what it is. Uh, and you know, going back to the drawing thing, I mean, we've seen. I don't know if you've seen the YouTube videos on. I think that the Habs have done this with you know different players. They get players to fucking draw different team logos, and you know, it's not great if I don't know you're a fucking Flyers fan and it's hard to draw that whatever that nonsense wing was. Uh, but you're a Seattle Kraken fan. As you said, you just fucking draw the S that everybody drew in elementary school, and you basically got the whole thing. You had a little red eye, and there we go. And so kudos to the Seattle team. I don't know if we usually see, like, honestly, out of any of the sports, we don't really see, like, design decisions like this. You don't really see teams knocking out of the park, at least not, what I, not from what I see. Uh, but uh, it just seems like this design department, I think it was Adidas who did it, uh, whatever it was, it just they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, the jersey was my personal favorite part of the announcement. So immediately, because I'm not, I'm not one of these like aesthetic jersey nerds who's talking about like all the stripes under the elbows and stuff. But this one, like within seconds, I was like, this is already probably at least my one of my top five favorite jerseys in the NHL. It's so nice looking like you have the three different shades of blue. It gives off this like deep ocean, but also like, I don't know, Arctic ice vibe. With like I don't know the the red you know because red is kind of a menacing color you could say so I I'm kind of talking like an art student which I very much am not but that that that's kind of what what caught my eye about that and also like we talked we talked about like the the goofy Kraken that they decided not to use but on the other hand it it gives them a lot of leeway to try out a bunch of different shit on like their third jersey if they come out with one which I think they plan or have they already I'm not sure but like. Teams oftentimes, like every couple of years, they'll rotate in a new third jersey, try something new. And the Kraken are one of the teams that could come up with a lot of different stuff concerning Kraken, different kinds of logos that could possibly work, different kinds of color schemes if they want to like throw a Seattle green in there. So there, there's definitely a lot of different things they could try out in terms of a, a third jersey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the third jersey, that's the whole point, to try different shit out. Uh, a lot of them are look like dog shit. Uh, so, yeah, Most Kraken of them. have a lot of leeway. And if they screw it up on the third jersey, I mean, fuck, you can just pretend it never happened and wear the first and second. Everybody will be happy. Talking about other logos, I think they had a secondary logo that they're wearing on the jersey uh, on, on the shoulders, right? And uh, that one works well as well. I think it's, a, it's an anchor, right? Pretty simple. Yeah. But also they got, like, the, the Seattle Space Needle, which is, like, the one iconic thing in, in Seattle. They got that incorporated into the middle, you know, middle section. And uh, I mean, I love that too. Gives a nod to the city, right? And now, you know, you look at that logo, right? If you recognize the Space Needle, you know, it's a fucking team from Seattle. You love that. Uh, increases civic pride in that team. And so I think, look, if I'm a person living in Seattle, fuck, I'm a person living in Montreal. Uh, I totally embrace this team just based on the name. Uh, and it looks like they're embracing the city, right? But I think the S, the actual, just the shape of the S is, they said it was a nod to the Metropolitans, right? The, the, the really old Seattle team. And so that's cool too. You got, you got everything going. And so, you know, I know there are, there, they already have the Seahawks out in Seattle, but other than that, they don't have a basketball team. And so I fully expect Seattle, the city to embrace the team. It just, the market is good and everything that we've seen this week is absolutely fantastic. Yep. Uh, so good work on all fronts to the Seattle Kraken. Uh, the expansion draft is like 
it was I guess I don't know now with like when next season's gonna end, but it's probably approximately a, a year away. So kind of snuck up on us. Uh, I actually like after this um, logo and name announcement the other day, I decided to go on cat friendly and start doing like uh, the expansion draft simulator for fun. But I got a couple teams in and I was like, wow, this is really a big waste of time because of so many like free agents that aren't signed yet. And like, you know, eligibility requirements and we have no idea like, you know, what the contracts are going to look like, what team a lot of players are going to be on. So I think I'm going to wait until like, at least after this year's free agency to take a run at that again. Anyway, yeah. um, the other the other piece of news before we get to the the playoff preview, those three awards, uh, last awards, the finalists were revealed this week. No big surprises. Uh, I would say maybe one or two snubs. Uh, first, the Hart Trophy, the exact same three finalists as the Ted Lindsay, Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl, Artemi Panarin, uh, Connor Hellebuck, in my opinion, deserved to be at least second place on that ballot, possibly first. So uh, I, I do think that when all the ballots come out, he'll probably be like a close fourth. But still, that's too low for him based on the season he just had. Norris Trophy, yeah. no surprises. Yeah. Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, John Carlson, just like both of us predicted. And the Selkie, it was um, Sean Couturier, Patrice Bergeron, and Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, so on the front of, you know, the Selkie, we know it's kind of a reputation award at this point. No big surprises. And the Selkie, uh, the Norris, as you said, we predicted it. But back to the fucking heart. I swear to God, these clown-ass voters, all right, who didn't put Hellebuck as the winner. Like, I, I, I put him first. I gave it much consideration. I admit that it is close between all four of these players. Uh, and very deserving finalists, uh, Dreisaitl, McKinnon, Panarin. But... I mean, the fact that he's not even a finalist, Connor Hellebuck, fucking absolutely outrageous, is the by far the biggest snub out of all any of these awards. And uh, I think he firmly should have been the winner at this point uh, because, fuck, you look at that Jets team that we're going to probably dive into in this playoff preview, would not be here if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck. And so I'll, I'll say it over and over, even and I'll protest it when they announce the winner. I think Connor Hellebuck should absolutely be the winner this year. And the fact that he's been snubbed of an even a nomination, fucking outrageous. Shame on the voters. I have a theory. I have a theory about that. I think uh, that the fact that when the season ended, the Jets were ninth in points percentage, even though it was like point zero one off. I honestly, I think that might be what did it for him, because the fact that like he wasn't technically in a playoff spot, I think that's probably what maybe had a lot of people second guessing it. But like if the season had ended at normal as normal and Hellebuck ended strong and if they had ended like in a wild card spot, then I, I say there's no chance that this is a situation where Hellebuck would definitely be at least in the top three if that's what happened. Or even honestly, even if the season ended like this, but the Jets had like one extra win and they were like I guess they would be eighth by points percentage, I think we're having a different conversation right now. I think that's the mindset of the voters. And if that's true, that's that's not right, man. It's like as you said, it's like 0.001, right? The Jets were off of eighth place. And so to have... Now, I, I hope that's not the reasoning that the, the voters are having. But then again, who knows? You might be right. I think there's also a very significant anti-goalie bias when it comes to these kind of awards, uh, whether it be like the Ted Lindsay or the Hart. I know we saw Carey Price won in like 2015. But other than that, really no goalies have really been even nominated uh, for the award. And so I think Hellebuck's a, a victim of a number of factors. Uh, the playoff thing, the goalie thing, and uh, also maybe not some, not some uh, a bunch of not so smart voters because uh, yeah, I got beef with this. I got beef with this uh, this snub, this snub, and I'm gonna continue to have it because frankly, this guy he dragged that fucking team to ninth place, 
and 0.001 percentage point uh, from a playoff spot. Yeah, a lot of people have been bringing up Carey Price, talking about the Hellebuck situation. But in my opinion, if Carey Price, say, had the exact same season he had that year in 14-15, if he had that this year, I don't think he's going to win the Hart Trophy or like even be nominated because a lot of people don't really mention that the year Carey Price won the Vezina of the Heart, all that, that one big year, was the same year that Jamie Benn won the Art Ross with 87 points. So scoring was at a big low that season. And so there wasn't much much competition from forwards uh, in terms of, you know, because a lot of times you'll give it to the biggest point scorers and stuff. I don't even, I want to check out who were the other Hart finalists that the year that Price won because it was probably like Jamie Benn and Sidney Crosby or something, or maybe like maybe Patrick Kane was near the top. I'm not really sure. Uh, Ovechkin and Tavares. Oh yeah, there they are. Ovechkin and Tavares. So I guess Ovechkin probably won like the Rocket Richard, but like it was never in doubt because there was so little offense that year, and couple that with Price being so fantastic, it just seemed like lightning in a bottle to give the Hart Trophy to a goalie. Yeah, so it just seemed like that year it was like perfect storm, right, for Carey Price to win the thing. Uh, but ever since then. And even before then, really, unless you get that perfect storm for a goaltender, you don't see it. You don't see it happen. Uh, like the goalies don't get nominated. Fuck, even defensemen don't get nominated for the heart. And so less than goalies. Yeah, exactly. So at the like, and and less than goalies, that's a very fucking low bar. Uh, and so yeah, it just seems like for a lot of these awards, even even I don't know, the like the Lady Bang, and the, I know it's a minor award, but but just in general, when you have awards that uh, can go to any position, so they're not position. Uh, you know, position-oriented, uh, you see there is a lot of forward bias. And why is that the case? No idea. But uh, every so often it ends up in a pretty major snub. I think Hellebuck qualifies this year as such. Yeah, I, I agree. Norris, there isn't really much to talk about. It was the same three guys we predicted. And uh, honestly, yeah, whichever one of them win, I won't be disappointed because I think all of them are very deserving. Uh, but with this Selkie, though, this is really a reputation award. And like, it's, they're not, no one's really trying to hide it anymore. Patrice Bergeron got his like his 100th nomination. Ryan O'Reilly won last year, and now he's nominated again. Sean Couturier, kind of like, it's funny because this this was like when uh, when he kind of first broke into the league, he was like, oh, this is the, the next big uh, defensive forward. And even he took like three to four years to even get any Selkie consideration. Uh, I'm not sure if this is going to be his year to get his first win. I, I think it will be, and I think maybe it should be. But then you have the guy like Anthony Sorelli, who I mentioned would probably be on my ballot this year, is probably going to follow in a similar path to Sean Couturier. Like, take this year, maybe next year of getting snubbed. Then after that, you get nominated, maybe get nominated again. And it takes like four or five years before you actually win the award for the first time. Yeah, I mean, this award is, is a total joke, right? At this point, as you said, it's a total reputation award. I mean, even Couturier, he's already been nominated before. Uh, so a few years back. And so, you know, you don't have anybody who's not been nominated before. Uh, and so, you know, you're cycling the same guys. Uh, you fucking, you have the winner from last year. You have the guy who gets nominated every year. And you throw in a, a sprinkle of new blood. And new is in quotation marks because he has been nominated before. And so, yeah, it's, it, uh, you know, there's a reason this this award everybody kind of laughs at it at this point because uh you know you see the same fucking guy over and over. I mean you can't imagine. I can't imagine that Patrice Bergeron was the best defensive forward this year. Uh, I I don't know. It just see it really does seem like a reputation award. And so yeah, 
mean, the other hand, I though, think the NHL is too. Yeah. On the other hand, like we sometimes we talk about like McDavid and the Hart, like. Oh, it would make total sense for McDavid to be nominated for the Hart every single season and possibly win every single season because he's the best player in the world. And, like, if Patrice Bergeron is the best defensive forward in the NHL one season, then it could totally make sense for him to just be the best defensive forward in the NHL for 10 years in a row if he maintains that same level of play. So I, I think maybe it's it's fair to say he has. It's just that as hockey fans, we expect that on these these awards that are rewarded on a yearly basis we expect to see variety from year to year but maybe Bergeron like totally does deserve to be nominated and the only reason that he doesn't win every year is because the voters do feel the need to spice it up man I disagree with that with the heart you know it's like we talk about McDavid like that because he's a generational player well well Patrice Bergeron he had his time in in the, the spotlight as you know superstar status borderline in Boston a few years back I don't think he's a fucking generational defensive forward I just, I just think it's a totally different situation. Connor McDavid, he's completely wild, best player on on the earth, and so yeah, a heart every year, totally deserves it. Meanwhile, fucking this award with a definition that is like fucking clear as mud, uh, it's just, I, I don't even know how they, what do they measure? Like, what, what even is a defensive forward at this point? Uh, because you know we they they do count the offensive production at this point, right? You need to have score a certain amount of points. For them to really consider you for the award. And so there I think there's a difference. Most valuable player is one thing, but when you have an award like the Selkie, in which, you know, really the criteria, I'm not too sure what they are. Like, sure, defensive forward is a very vague statement. Uh to see the same people over and over, that's a bit strange to me because it's really not clear cut in terms of who actually deserves it. Most valuable player is one thing. Defensive forward, I think not as clear cut. And that's why I think it's weird that, you know, fucking Patrice Bergeron's got his ninth nomination. Yeah, I feel like it would just make everyone happier if they change the definition to best two-way forward because it's no secret that like when your offensive production slows down, you're probably not going to be nominated for the Selkie Trophy anymore. Like and like Zach Aston Reese was like by apparently I just learned this very recently, like a couple weeks ago, but he is among the extremely elite defensive forwards. Like all the defensive metrics are are shine very favorably upon fourth line Pittsburgh Penguins winger Zach Aston Reese but he scored like 15 points so he probably never didn't even get a single fifth place vote or maybe he did by some uh ultra woke voter but like he was never going to be a nominee for this award and it's because he doesn't score enough so I feel like maybe if they split it up into no never mind I was gonna say a dumb idea like have a best two-way forward and best defensive forward but we don't need more dumb awards like that but basically the idea is like just change, either make it best defensive forward and give it to Zach Aston Reese, which you're probably not going to do. So just change the definition to two-way forward where guys like Bergeron and Couturier, who score a lot and are very good defensively, can uh, can actually earn it without you know people complaining that, oh, it's just because they score more than everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. And uh, when it comes to the winner out of these three, eh, fucking flip a coin. Uh, I, I couldn't tell three-sided who coin. was getting more votes. Yeah, seriously, fucking flip a what? What is there a three-sided prism? I don't know. That's flip a die. A you can assign and, uh, like okay. the six-sided die. Assign assign two uh, two sides per player. There, that's how you decide. All right, do that. Do that, and that's how you'll that's how you'll get my prediction for the selkie. All right. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna predict Couturier just because this feels like. He's due, and a lot of the times that's how people decide these awards. Like O'Reilly just won last year. Bergeron's won plenty of times. I think they're ready to to pass the torch off to Couturier, even though Bergeron or O'Reilly is probably going to just win again next year. Anyway, 
So, is it time to start the main event? Is it time to start our bigger than playoff prediction? Because we have a play-in round and a round robin too. And how do you, how do you want to do this? Do you want to like go through like you'll do your round robin, then I'll do mine, then you'll do your play-in, and I'll do mine, and we'll go like that? Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, sounds organized. All right, let's get uh, cracking. <laughs> All right, thank you, thank you. Okay, so let's start with the fucking round robin. Um, you know, frankly, it's it's weird to predict a, a, a round robin because what they play it's three games total. You play one game, one game per team. Everybody's rusty. It's the first game you've played other than like one exhibition game. And so what the tiebreaker is that the actual regular season standing. And so you know, I really don't like to stray too far from that. But I'll make one change, um, you know, from on, in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to take Tampa over Boston. Uh, I think, you know, skill-wise, I think they can gear it up. Uh, so, yeah, for the round robin, I've got Tampa in first, and i got Boston, Washington, Philly. Uh, in the Western Conference, let me see what I did here. I think I kept them exactly the same. Uh, yes, I did. So, St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, then Dallas, just as they were in the regular season. Frankly, I don't think it's too wise to shake things up when it's like three games per team, one per what well, you get one matchup with every team. So you're kind of you're willing into existence what you want to happen with like the standings not changing too much from the regular season. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is a sort of you could even call it a sort of protest against <laughs> what I think is an absolute horseshit system. Uh, but you know, hey, look, I guess I, they're doing it, so might as well go along. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, my predictions for the round robin in the East, same top two as you, Tampa Bay number one, just because they've been like keeping pretty much keeping pace with Boston or maybe better ever since their pretty slow start for the first two months. And I got Boston number two because I mean, uh, the, you know, the regular season kind of speaks for itself in terms of them being first place in the NHL third place. I put the Flyers ahead of Washington because they were just, they were so hot heading into the break. And I know that was many months ago, like longer than the length of a normal off season. But I feel like, you know, there's some continuity there. And like with how well they were doing, I just, I wanted to put them ahead of the Capitals and, or not ahead of the Capitals. I just wanted to put them higher than fourth because of how well they were doing. And Washington was just kind of the leftover team. Not to mention also Ilya Samsonov, I saw yesterday is, injured and won't be coming to the bubble so the so all their their fates kind of rest on on Braden Holpe's shoulders and he kind of had a weak year so I don't know maybe a question mark there with Washington in the west I put Colorado number one because I think with a fully healthy team they are the, the best team in the west I think they're better than St. Louis who I put number two the Blues because they were very dominant again this this season and Vegas number three and Dallas number four because I feel like Dallas is kind of the the odd team out in these these teams who got the buy. Huh. Okay. Sounds good. I actually didn't fucking see the Samsonov news, so I gotta change my bracket real fast because uh yeah that's a fucking big hit. Uh, I gotta say. All right. I, I, so let's get into the playing rounds and actually like dive into this series that we're gonna see. Uh. Well, first of all, I just like to say that my perspective. This is not a normal year, obviously, but you know in terms of evaluating these series i feel like since it's just been such a long break right four months or five months or four months it's four months four and a half months really uh i just feel like it's a new season and so that's why i'm not like in terms of like hot streaks and all that that went down in march i really don't 
take that into consideration because it just feels like it, it's almost a full length. Well, it's not almost. Well, it's like it's 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 four months. It's a fucking long time, and so it feels like there's basically been an off season between uh the like the regular it's been season. longer than a normal off season. Exactly, and so I feel like when I'm evaluating these things, you're talking about Philly being hot uh, at the end of the, the, the March. I mean, I just feel like these things, you kind of throw them out the window. And honestly, I'm looking more on paper than I usually would in terms of playoff evaluations. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that's right. But I mean, I there, there is this sense of like, oh, we're just trying to pick up right where we left off more than there would be in a normal offseason because it's the same chase for the Stanley Cup. So I get where you're coming from. And I mean, yeah, because you got teams like the Flyers were hot. The Islanders were cold. It's hard to tell exactly how much that's really going to play into account. But I'm just trying to get a sense for like, oh, how good were they for the past, I don't know, month, month and a half or so. Because, you know, the recent play is probably the best indication of where they're going to pick up. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's get into this series. Should we start with Pittsburgh, Montreal, the big one, sure, the headliner the for this podcast? Yeah. All right. So you want to you want to actually dive into the series, or you, we're just making predictions? We're diving in, right? Like we're doing the analysis. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Explain your prediction. Explain why you pick what you pick. Okay. So look, Pittsburgh, Montreal. Okay, the talent. Let's not kid ourselves here. This may be a has podcast, but Pittsburgh has all the fucking talent in the world compared to Montreal, where you know they might do the offensive generation of chances and whatnot pretty well, but uh, they can't score. They can't finish. Uh, and in the goaltending matchup, you have, uh, you know, Carey Price, obviously, who, have, as we've said many times over, has really not found his top-of-the-world form since that hard season, and he hasn't found it for many years. Meanwhile, Tristan Jerry, uh, he seems to have found his form this season, and he had a great season. However, fuck it. It, it wouldn't be a house podcast if there wasn't a homer pick. And so, you know... Five, best of five. I think I give Montreal a chance. And uh, fuck it. I'm not going to be the guy, if Montreal does pull it off, who picked Pittsburgh. And so I'm taking Montreal in this series. As crazy as it is, I have faith. How many games? Oh, shit. I forgot about the games. I'm, oh. I, it's got to be five. Montreal's not winning in four or three. Montreal in five. Let's go. Uh, all right. So I see you're already you're already embarrassing us with with these outlandish picks. Uh, I, on the other hand, the 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 voice of reason on this podcast, am picking the okay. Pittsburgh Penguins. All right. I'm picking the Pittsburgh Penguins to defeat Montreal in three games. I think Montreal is going to play well. I think they're going to push one of these games to overtime. Random prediction, and I don't think they're going to get blown out in any of the games. But I think they're going to lose them all because Pittsburgh is just that much better. That if Pittsburgh shows up like seventy five percent all cylinders firing, then I think they'd be Montreal pretty handily, no matter how well Montreal plays, just because there's that much of a, of a talent imbalance between these two teams, between the Stanley Cup contender and a team that shouldn't even be sniffing the playoffs. So yeah, three games for Pittsburgh. That That's what, that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, if it ends up going what you predict is happening, then, uh, then I'll be overjoyed and surprised. You got to believe, man. You got to have faith. In the team. Let's go, let's go. Montreal, they're making it to the second round. I'm calling it right now. All right. Carey Price. He's the you key. mean the first round? That's true. Good point. <laughs> okay, moving on. Next series. Uh, Carolina, New York. Uh, so this one's an interesting one, I think. I mean, a couple of pretty dynamic teams offensively. But I just think that, like, other than that, the talent is just so stacked on the defense. 
for Carolina. Admittedly, New York, they have the goalie's edge, right? Uh, Shesterkin, they have a whole fucking set of goalies at this point. Uh, Shesterkin was spectacular. Georgiev was a great backup. And fuck, they have Henrik <laughs> Lundqvist as their third goalie. Uh, that's great and all. But, you know, Peter Mrazek, he's pretty inconsistent. But when he's up, he's fine. And that defense, I mean, they're getting Dougie Hamilton back. They're, fuck, they're getting Sammy Vatanen back, who they got the deadline, but who was injured, right? And so he didn't play until now. And so if they can get him up to speed on that defense, which is completely stacked already, I think just the defensive edge is so far in Carolina's side here that, you know, despite the season series loss where New York swept them 4-0, to I'm taking Carolina, and I'm taking them in, I'm debating three or four right now. You know, I'll give New York a game. They've got a heart nominee, but uh, I think I think Carolina takes this one in four. Yeah, uh, I am also picking the Hurricanes, but I'm picking them in five. Uh, a lot of people are picking the Rangers in this series. Like I, I sent to you, I was watching on, on Sportsnet the Eastern Conference play-in preview last night, and Brian Burke had said something dumb like, oh, I don't think the Hurricanes are good enough to beat the Rangers, like some you know Brian Burke-style take. Uh, I think the Hurricanes are definitely good enough to beat the Rangers. Um, for the for the Rangers to get those two games, I think it's really all about Panarin and Zibanejad. I think if the Rangers win, then it's because those two dragged them there. Um, and uh, whichever goalie they end up going with, whether it's probably Igor Shesterkin is the good choice and probably will be the choice, he would have to stand on his head because the Hurricanes, as you said, so much deeper on defense. They have like like nine or 10 really good NHL defensemen that they could pick from. And their forwards are a lot deeper than the Rangers too. Like the their fourth line with, uh, with Brendan Lemieux suspended is probably going to be something like Philip DiGiuseppe, Greg McKegg and Julian Gauthier. So kind of reminiscent of an American hockey league line. So I really think that Carolina's depth and um, their defense is what's going to elevate them to a five game win over the New York Rangers. Tough stuff. I mean, if any, if there's any defense in the league that can stop, you know, the Red Hot, Saban, and Jad and Panarin duo, I think it's this one. They're just they're they're stacked talent wise on that defense. Okay, next series seven ten. We have uh, the Islanders against Florida. I mean, first of all, not very exciting series. I mean, both these teams, I think they kind of suck. But uh, you know, gotta make a pick. Uh, and look, I know New York can't score. First of all, New New York, the defense. It's the system, right, in New York. Uh, they can't score for shit other than Matt Barzal. Uh, but, frankly, I don't trust Florida with anything. Because uh, you look at earlier this season, they had all the chances in the world to get that, you know, third division spot. But, you know, they finished the season in 10th place. I don't think they were going to make the playoffs if they finished the regular season in a normal year. Uh, and, I mean, they've got the skill offensively. I'll give them that. But other than that, you know, Bobrovsky... Never found his form. Even when he was well-rested at the beginning of the season, he wasn't good at all. Uh, so I don't trust Bobrovsky. Uh, so, you know, I just think that New York, they might not be flashy. They not be, They might not be fun. But I think they can hold down the fort against the Florida team that just was way too inconsistent, didn't reach their potential, and is just flat-out always disappointing. Yeah. How many games? Uh, I'll, I'll take the Islanders in four. Okay, this is the series I had the hardest time picking. Um, I think when we first did our like super early predictions, I had the Panthers, and I've been going back and forth. Like even like this morning, I was thinking like, oh, should I change my pick? And I feel like maybe when we're done recording, I'm gonna regret regret my decision. But uh, uh, it's official now. I'm picking the Islanders in five. 
uh, over the Panthers. I think I think I talked about this also, like the last time four years ago in 2016 when the Islanders played the Panthers. Everyone was picking the Panthers, and I picked the Islanders, and the Islanders won. And that was like the series I was most invested in that round, just because I was going against the grain, and I ended up being right. So now everyone's picking the Islanders. It was very very tempting for me to swing around the other way and pick the Panthers, but I mean it's as as you said, like if Bobrovsky doesn't show up to play, if he plays like he did for most of this past season, then Florida probably doesn't stand a chance if, you know, Bobrovsky can't stop anything and they're going up against the Islanders defense, which is, you know, one of the most structured and best in the NHL. So Bobrovsky is going to need to play Vesna caliber for the Panthers to have a chance. And that's just not something I want to bet on. So Islanders in five for me. All right. Solid pick. Moving on. The last one, Toronto Columbus. Okay. Look, this one, Absolutely biased. I'm never fucking picking Toronto in the series. I'm never doing it. I refuse to do it. I hate that team, and I don't trust that team to win anything, uh, given their past failures. And, uh, you know, I take great enjoyment in picking against Toronto. And so I will do so for no other reason than the fact that I enjoy picking against Toronto. So I'm taking Columbus. I'll take them in five because I don't believe in them whatsoever. But, you know, look, fuck, I'm not picking Toronto. That's just, you know, my final answer there. Uh, Toronto is way up on the talent on the skill, on the speed, all that. Uh, but I don't believe in the clutch factor. And Columbus, they have a fucking Jack Adams winner. And they're getting healthier, right? They're getting Seth Jones back. Fantastic. They're getting, uh, I think they have a, they had a bunch of injuries. They had like Cam Atkinson. Uh, I think Brookstrand was also injured at one point. And so the whole squad's coming back healthy. Uh, at least I hope so. And so with that, I'm taking Columbus. Let's go. Uh, this was, I'm picking Toronto in four games. Uh, this was probably like the Pittsburgh versus Montreal was the easiest one for me to pick in the East. This one was definitely second easiest. I didn't spend too much time going back and forth on this just because, I mean, Toronto blows Columbus out of the water on paper. And I know like uh, Columbus, they were injured and they're coming back healthy now. But I mean, I don't think anyone's really going to have a hard time arguing with me in terms of picking Toronto just because they're so much better than Columbus on paper. And like I do like a little bit hope Toronto wins because then there's a chance to line up against the Bruins again for the third year in a row. And also the other reason I may slightly hope that Toronto wins actually two more reasons besides that is that I don't like John Tortorella and I hope he loses. And also that this is the, like, even though I don't like the Maple Leafs, they do play the style of hockey that I hope the NHL is trending towards. So like we've mentioned, this is a copycat league. And so if Toronto does better, then that means teams are going to try to model themselves after Toronto more and more, and the NHL will thereby get more exciting. So a little bit of success for Toronto might not be the worst thing in the world. Okay. I bring the wild picks. You bring the smart picks. Let's go. Uh, so uh, I just realized I picked all the favorites to... in the in the playing round in the East. I had the Panthers were like my one underdog, and then I changed that. So I picked all the, the five, six, seven, eight seed. Wow. Bland is vanilla over here on the other side. Oops. Meanwhile, I've got two uh, pretty big underdogs. Here we go. So should we continue with the East or you want to move to the, the playing rounds in the West? Uh, let's slide over to the West. I'll go first this time. Uh, and then you can you can repeat after me. We'll shake things up a little bit. Uh, starting with the 5 versus 12, Edmonton versus Chicago. Uh, a lot of people are really looking forward to this one because it's kind of like Edmonton should win because Edmonton's better, but Chicago's like, you know, grizzled vets who've been there before. And if Chicago wins, the takes are just going to be totally insufferable. So I feel like this one's going to probably go to five games for the dramatic factor. 
But I do think that the Oilers are going to pull it out, we'll say, in overtime in game number five. Wow. That's much more exciting than I'm predicting it. Because frankly, I don't think it's very close between Edmonton and Chicago. I think Chicago is terrible. I don't think they're a playoff team. They're the 12th seed. Well, what more do I need to say? I mean, their goaltending situation, very questionable. I mean, it's beyond questionable at this point. I mean, it's with Corey Crawford, right? We don't know if he's healthy. He's barely made the roster at the end there. I think he tested positive for COVID on top of all the concussion problems. Uh, and who's behind Corey Crawford? Not Rob Lehner anymore. Malcolm it's Malcolm Subban. And so I don't want, I'm not putting my money on Malcolm Subban to carry them anywhere. And so, you know, for all the hype that they get, uh, I mean, look, Chicago's not very talented. That's not a fucking, I know they have the grizzled vets and all that. They obviously have Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. They have the old squad. But I no faith, zero faith. And you know what? This is going to be my only sweep I'm predicting in the playing series. I'm taking Edmonton in three. I don't think it's going to be close. Uh, you want to talk about questionable goaltending. I could totally envision a world where both Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith shit the bed and Corey Crawford somewhat returns to his, you know, Stanley Cup champion self, even though I wouldn't bet on that. But I mean, like, Miko Koskinen isn't the most faith-inspiring goalie in the world. And I don't think you're giving the Blackhawks forward group enough credit because, yeah, they have Taves Kane, but, like, Dominic Kubelik just scored 30 goals. They have Alex Dabrinkit, too, and, like, Kirby Dock, Dylan Strom. Uh, Dock especially, like, probably made a bunch of strides in, in this time off. He's, he's like... 19 years old he was just drafted so i could see him being a big contributor right away as maybe like over overstepping dylan strom as the second line center so like the defense is where the a lot of the questions are for chicago and goaltending as you said i don't think they'll win but i think it's closer than you're giving them credit for okay solid i mean like i just i i have no belief look edmonton is fucking mcdavid and recital i'd have you know just is the talent i think it's just, it's unfair. I think it's Edmonton all the way. Uh, I understand, uh, you know, Koskinen and Smith, very questionable goaltending. I'll give you that. But I think that the odds are one of them is good in the series. Uh, so maybe maybe I'll consider changing it to four games because, like, I give them a one-game grace period to figure out their goaltending for Edmonton. But I just, I just think that they're the better team overall, and I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, I agree with you. They're better. The main reason I did make it go five instead of four is because of that added drama that this series having would be a lot of fun. So moving on to my first underdog pick, I am picking the 11 seed Arizona Coyotes over the six seed Nashville Predators. And this is my fourth fourth series that I'm predicting will go five games. Uh, I had this prediction at first, like right on our first episode when like after the, the playing format was officially confirmed and I said, you know what? I think Arizona is going to win. And I'm standing by that because I don't know, Nashville man, just, you know, Pecorine hasn't been good. UC Soros isn't really, you know, hasn't totally proven himself yet. And the Coyotes, what are you I, talking about? I will. UC Soros is the same percentage of 940. He's been ridiculous. Right. Are you sure? Yes. So, I'm, I'm like ninety percent sure on this one. Nine, are you? Sh- I'm looking it up. You can. I'm looking it up. Continue too. on your reasoning, Arizona. I'm looking it up All too. Right. I want to see. Uh, you see, nine fourteen. So like, I guess average. Oh, nine fourteen. Okay. Yeah. And, but he was he was fucking rocking it at the end. Okay. That's what I. Yeah. Said. Okay. Anyways, continue. Saros is pretty good. Saros is the starter in Nashville. Anyway, I've mentioned many times on the show bad vibes from this team after they traded away PK Zuban to make room to sign Matt Duchesne. Just something was off. Something was off there all year, and. I think the Coyotes, I mean, they've been bad too uh, ever since, like, you know, December. But a lot of that was because so many injury problems to their goalies, Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta. 
who are both fully healthy now. And this is the first time we're getting both healthy goalies along with a Taylor Hall on the team with not to mention, I mean, you know, Phil Kessel, Nick Schmaltz, Oliver Ekman-Larsen, they have a lot of decent pieces. Connor Garland was on pace for like 20 goals, I think, which is kind of crazy. Like, who ever heard of Connor Garland? Anyway, so I, I think the Coyotes are are in a pretty decent position heading into this series. And they're, they're very, like, a similar style team to Nashville. And I have full faith in both of those goalies. And there's also, like, with John Chaka kind of, like, probably leaving the Coyotes to take another job, which was a, a weird story that, I don't know, kind of right before the plane's about to start seemed weird. I don't know how that's going to affect them on ice at all, but honestly, I don't think they will because they probably like never talked to John Chaka anyway, so it probably doesn't affect them too much on a personal level. Well, I'm thinking that. I had a hard time with this one too. They're very similar teams. Uh, they both kind of underwhelmed. And uh, so, first of all, I found where I found this, this, the Cerro stat. The Cerro stat was he was 940 from February 4th until the NHL stopped. And so he looked like he figured it out. Uh, and he had a 940 save percentage in that month. So, I mean, I understand that there's been a long break. But, I mean, he was, he. was I think this was rookie season. Uh, and so, you know, took some time, figured it out. And Nashville has their new starter because Beccarino was garbage. Uh, but, you know, look, I think, I think the talent is on Nashville's side. They have the top six, which, you know, they have those forwards, which kind of underwhelmed, admittedly. Uh, but so did Arizona's forwards. I mean, Hall was not spe- like he was. He really wasn't great when he joined Arizona. Uh, and Phil Kessel's had a very disappointing season. I think he's had like 15 goals. Uh, and so yeah, they have Kemper who's coming back, obviously from injury. He was having a spectacular season. But I think the goaltending's pretty equal, to be honest. And I mean, Roman Yossi, hello, uh, Norris candidate. Let's go, let's go. Uh, so yeah, I, I I did have a hard time picking uh the series. So I'm taking it to five, but I think Nashville's pulling out the dub in this one. Yeah, uh, just to correct one little thing you said, um, Saros says this wasn't his rookie year. He's been the backup goalie dating back to 16-17. So, and he has very good oh, numbers throughout all. He was like a 9-23 his first year in 21 games. Then in 26 games, he was a 9-25. So, like, Pecorine, I think, wait, just kind of maybe a little sidetrack here. How much longer does Rene have on his contract Rene only has one more year after this so hmm, i don't know if they're gonna want to like maybe extend Rene for one more year just to expose him in the expansion draft that's probably what they're gonna have to do because someone will have to meet the exposure requirements for goalies otherwise uh i'm not really sure and saros also has one more year left on this deal at 1.5 million so he's gonna be due for a big raise in summer of 2021 yes Okay, so that's that series. What's your pick for Vancouver, Minnesota? Vancouver, Minnesota is the second series that I'm predicting will only go three games. I think Vancouver is going to sweep the Wild. Uh, initially, I had them in four games, but then when Minnesota was the first team come, to come up come up with that, like, uh, oh, we're instilling our own personal dress code, even though the NHL isn't doing one themselves. I was like, okay, okay, you can chill. You know what? I don't think you're going to win a single game. So that's the main reason why I'm saying Minnesota not winning at all because, you know, their veteran players want to make all the players wear suits and ties to walk across the underground tunnel to the uh, to Rogers place. So uh, Vancouver and their young guns are going to carry this team on their back. And I don't think they're going to have much trouble at all scoring on whichever one of Devin Dubnik or Alex Stalock the Wild decide to play. Yeah, I think you're, uh, you're right here. I also have them sweeping. 
because it's not very close. Minnesota, they were apparently great defensively. I mean, good for them. Uh, it's a shame they're not very good offensively uh, or goaltending-wise. Uh, I don't even know who their starter's going to be. Uh, I mean, Devin Dubnik was having a terrible season. Stalock took over near the end of it. Uh, and so, you know, kind of a big mess going on in Minnesota. Uh, so, yeah, no no faith in that team whatsoever. Vancouver, much more established in terms of actual talent. Uh, and they're young and they're skilled. And so, yeah, pretty easily Vancouver in three. Yeah, this is this one though. I could kind of see it coming back to bite us because Minnesota has overachieved this season to land in tenth in the West. So I mean, I could envision a scenario where they kind of carry that on and like I don't know, a goalie gets hot or Pedersen gets cold and Alex Galchenyuk goes on a hot streak and lights the lamp many many times for the Wild. But that won't change my prediction. Just wanted to I, point it out. I just want to point out something in Vancouver said, three. You just said overachieved to get tenth place. And I think that's all you need to say about the Minnesota Wild. Just no, no thank you. Fair, very fair, very fair. Last play-in series is Winnipeg versus Calgary. This is my second of two underdog picks. I'm picking the Winnipeg Jets in four games over the Flames. It isn't much of an underdog because, as you mentioned, they're about .01 percentage points apart, the ninth and the eighth seed. Uh, I'm picking the Jets, though, and it's because of Connor Hellebuck, basically. Calgary won the Western Conference last year. And they showed that, like, their team as a whole and, like, especially Johnny Goudreau is one that comes to mind that, like, last year when the eight-seed Avalanche uh, got, like, uh, one game two and then I think one game, yeah, one game three also, they started to get more frustrated uh, and they kind of just played worse and worse as the series went on and they lost games. So I think if Hellebuck can get off to a hot start, which I don't see why he can't, and kind of stifle the Flames right out of the gate, they're, they're the kind of team that's going to have a hard time getting anything going, especially because their forward depth really isn't good. They rely heavily on their top six. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. I'm thinking Winnipeg in five. Uh, I think it's it's going to be a pretty tight series. They're both pretty... I mean, they've got offensive talent on each side. Uh, and Winnipeg, they have no defense. Uh, frankly, you're playing fucking Tucker Pullman. Uh, it sounds made up. Anyways, I keep bringing him up. So Connor Hellebuck, yeah, I think he's, I think he's the X Factor here. Look... The big save Dave Riddick, Riddick, uh, sick nickname. I don't trust. I don't trust him as a starting goalie. In fact, I don't really trust Calgary as a team. I think you said last year they just seemed they crumbled, even though they were the first seed uh, in the Pacific or the Central or whatever fucking division they're in, and uh, or they're in the Pacific. And so, yeah, I don't trust Calgary as a whole. Like uh, both their goalie, their team as a whole, and Winnipeg. I mean, they've got. It seems like I know. I know they weren't very good this year. Uh, defensively and it just seemed like Hellebuck kind of dragged them but you know pretty established forward court and uh yeah I think Hellebuck's taking it in five and, and I think it's gonna be tight but I think really Hellebuck makes a difference because of that season and that you know I think heartworthy season that he had uh I think he takes it for that so now as we move into the actual playoffs well I, I don't want to mention we wanted to do the full our full playoff prediction now because if we waited till after the playing round then there would probably be like, I don't even think there would be, or maybe there would be like one or two days off in between the end of the playoffs slash round robin and when the actual playoffs started. So we wanted to do it all now. Also, we would have the phase two of the lottery results coming on, I think August August 11th or 12th is the day that drawing is going to be. So we decided we're going to go through the entire playoff prediction now. And at this point, 
because we've made a couple different predictions, our matchups in the first round and beyond are going to be different from one another. So we won't necessarily be comparing head to head. Uh, you you figured out all the all the seedings, right? You have all your your right matchups laid out. Yeah. Okay. So so why don't you do your uh your four Eastern matchups, and then I'll do my four Eastern matchups. Okay. So first of all, one twelve. I have uh, Tampa Bay and Montreal in one matchup. Luck. I gave them the magic in the in the play-in round against Pittsburgh. I don't. I'm not giving them the magic in the actual first round of the playoffs. They don't stand a chance against Tampa if they were to even make it that far. And so, pretty handily. If we're, are we doing the games again? Uh, sure. If you want, I didn't mind. Okay. All right. So we'll do. We'll give uh, Tampa in five. I give the Habs one game because of the magic, and that's it. Uh, next series, I have four six. I have Philly and Carolina. Uh, and. You know, this is my underdog pick out of the Eastern Conference for this round. I'm taking Carolina. I think, you know, Philly, they had some magic going in the regular season. I'm not sure how much that carries over given the long break. Uh, and Carolina, frankly, is just so stacked. They're just so stacked. Uh, the question marks in goaltending, but everywhere else, just kind of ridiculous. And so I'm taking them there. Uh, and I think it's going to be close because, you know, Philly coming off a bye. Uh, so seven games. I'll give them seven. Carolina and seven there. Uh, Washington, New York, and you threw me in for a loop when you announced that Samsonov news, but I just think even though I know Holpe's been terrible this year, but yeah, he's a playoff experience mumbo jumbo. And, uh, I don't, the Islanders can't score. I mean, they'll hold their own against Florida, I think, but they just can't score. Washington can score. Uh, you know, they, they won the cup two years ago. Not much has changed since. And, uh, yeah, just the talent is there for Washington and Boston, Columbus, as I said, I don't really have much faith in, faith in Columbus, and so I don't have faith in them at all to beat Boston. Boston in four, if they do make it there. And so, yeah, that's my first round. Let's go. All right, all right. I, I probably pretty much agree with uh, most of those picks, not all of them, because we actually do have a matchup in common, uh, and that matchup is Philadelphia versus Carolina, and I went with the Flyers. Um, because I, I'm a, a big believer in their team now. Uh, I, I do like the Hurricanes too, as I've mentioned before, but I picked the Flyers in seven games. I, th- I think it's going to be really close, but I think the Flyers are going to win uh, for all the reasons I mentioned about how much I, I think the Flyers are. I mean, it's, it's funny because, like, no one really expected them to be this good, but, like, now that they are, like, they're finally putting all their talent together that, that they've had for some for such a long time. It's not really like they're overachieving. It's more like they were underachieving in years past. Anyway, uh, I've also got Tampa Bay versus Toronto in the first round, which would be very exciting Two blue and white teams going up against each other. But I think that although Toronto will put up another good fight, I think they are going to lose in seven games. Once again, and the lightning are going to move on to round two. I've got Boston versus the Islanders. Uh, I'm predicting a sweep. I think the Bruins are just totally going to overpower the New York Islanders. And like, yeah, under sure defensive system, yeah, against Bridgeron, Marsha, and Pasternak, good luck. And and then we've got Pittsburgh versus Washington, which, funnily enough, is a series everyone's been saying for the past couple of years, like, we need to get rid of this divisional playoff format because these teams should be meeting in the third round. And look, now we have, and in my prediction, they're meeting in the first round. And even before I heard the Samsonov news, I had Pittsburgh winning in six. And uh, my prediction is is staying the same because I do still believe that overall the Penguins are probably the better team on paper. Interesting. Interesting that you have Pittsburgh making a decent run. Meanwhile, I have them to losing to the dog shit Montreal team. 
Uh, okay. All right. Moving to the West. I'm, I, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'll start with a 1-9. I have St. Louis and Winnipeg, uh, and I'm taking St. Louis. And I just, I, for, I just think that – I think I might find myself picking all the favorites in the West because I really think they, they're, on a, they're on a different tier, these four teams, even Dallas. Uh, and I'm, I'm still juggling Dallas Edmonton. I'll get there later. But uh, I just think St. Louis is just – they were rolling. Their talent is, is great across the board. Uh, compared to, you know, Winnipeg, which is solid. And obviously they have Hellebuck, but the defense really just doesn't. It doesn't pass the small test. So St. Louis, and I'll take them in six. Uh, next, Colorado-Vancouver is my 2-7. And, yeah, as I said, I think I just think Colorado, uh, just a level above, just a notch above Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver, yeah, granted they're young and skilled, but so is Colorado. I think Colorado is even more stacked than Vancouver. I mean, that forward core is ridiculous. Everybody's healthy again, right? Colorado was juggling injuries all year. They still got the second seed in the West. And so Colorado, and I'll take them in five. I don't think, it, I, I think Vancouver can give them a run for their money, but I don't, like games-wise, I don't think it's going to be very close because I think Colorado just, I think it's, they're an elite team. Uh, and Vegas, Nashville, again, Nashville, Arizona, I had a hard time picking between those teams. And that should say enough compared to Vegas, who, yeah, I think they're a contender again this year. Uh, I think that laner pickup was very important. I think he might start uh, because, you know, Flurry wasn't doing very well. And so we're, that's an interesting goalie uh, competition to see uh, going heading into these playoffs. So, yeah, Vegas, I think it's a pretty straightforward pick for me. Uh, and I'll take them in, in four. Fuck it, I'm giving them a sweep because, yeah, Nashville, I had a hard time picking them against Arizona. And they're not, I don't have confidence in either of those teams, Nashville or Arizona. Uh, so, yeah, Vegas either way in four. Uh, and Dallas Edmonton, this is tough because Edmonton, you know, you just they have McDavid and Drysaddle, and I can't have a hard time picking against them. But then again, you know, other than that, they're not a very good team. I initially had, you know, this morning, I had I have written down Edmonton as my pick in seven. But you know, the more I think about it, you know, we talked about the season Ben Bishop's had, uh, and you know what? I'm changing the pick. I'm taking one, two, three, four in the West. Uh, I'm taking Dallas. And and I'm taking them seven. I think it's I think it's gonna be a stretch. Yeah, the Western Conference is definitely where like because we talk about all year how like there are a couple good teams in the West, but overall it's an extremely weak conference compared to the East. So like I wouldn't be very surprised to see the four by teams being the four teams that get through to round number two, and that's kind of similar to what I predicted. Uh, first of all, I don't have a Vancouver Colorado matchup in my predictions, but it did end up happening. Uh, like it did in yours, then I would be super excited to see that ma- ma- mainly for the battle of Kilmacar and Quinn Hughes going head-to-head in a playoff series. That'd be loads of fun. Anyway, I don't have Colorado up against Vancouver. I have them up against the 11-seed Coyotes. And I usually, I don't like, I don't predict a lot of sweeps, or at least in years past, because I don't know, it's just like your first instinct is when one team is a lot better than the other one is to pick like five games. But sweeps always do end up happening, so I've been trying to have it on my, my conscience more like last year and this year to maybe throw a couple in. And I felt like this was a good opportunity to have such a good team like Colorado against the Coyotes who probably shouldn't be in the playoffs. That seems like an appropriate place to put a, a four-game series. Next, St. Louis versus Winnipeg. It's my 2-9 compared to your 1-9, and I'm picking the Blues too uh, in five games. And this is where really like a team that's as good as the Blues are and as good as the Blues have been for now like a year and a half. This is where I feel like, you know, the, the weaknesses on Winnipeg's defense that maybe you could hide a little bit going up against an average team like Calgary. You can't really hide anymore against St. Louis. So St. Louis wins that one. 
Vegas versus Vancouver, uh, similar to the past series, Vegas is just like on another level ahead of Vancouver. Not to mention, like Vegas has been missing a lot of players recently with injuries. Like, if the season hadn't stopped, they were set to go a couple weeks without Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. So, I mean, no one benefits from a pandemic or from this long pause, but I mean, Vegas probably was hurt the least by it or close to the least by it. So I think they'll beat Vancouver somewhat handily five games. Edmonton and Dallas, you picked Dallas, right? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, uh, I think I I wrote Edmonton and I think I'm going to stick with that. Oilers in seven games. Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, I think even I had Chicago pushing them to five games. I think Dallas is pushing them to seven games, but I think we're really, McDavid's really going to unlock this this next level in this playoffs, and I think he's going to will his team to, to victory in both of those rounds. Man, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see you know more Connor, more Leon in the playoffs. I think the league would absolutely benefit from that because I think they're you know underappreciated. No matter even though they're 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 that talent, they're already superstars. I still think they're underappreciated. I want some more playoff Oilers. Um, as weird as it is to say. Okay. So, yeah, pretty similar picks across the board in the West. So let's move to the uh, the Eastern Conference. My four remaining teams, Tampa, Carolina, Washington, Boston. And so 1-6 matchup coming in. Got Tampa and Carolina. Uh, I just, you know, a nice little run for Carolina. I think Tampa is just so talented. And I think, I frankly think they're going to figure it out this year. I mean, they've had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to think about their failures uh, after getting swept by Columbus, obviously. And so, yeah, I think I think Tampa Bay... This is going to be a good year for them, I find. This is going to be a good playoff run. And uh, I, you know, that I keep saying Carolina stack. They are, but Tampa Bay is just another level. But I think it's going to be close. And I think if it ends up being Tampa Carolina, I think we're in for a treat uh, entertainment-wise because, yeah, just stack rosters all around. But, uh, you know, they've got Vasilevsky. Tampa does. Uh, Vezna nominee, no matter how much you think he deserves it. So, but, you know, I... Six games. I think a respectable showing for Carolina, but I think Tampa's taking it there. Uh, and Washington-Boston, I originally had Washington take them in Boston. Then I learned Holtby was going to be their starter, and now I'm not taking Washington. Uh, I'm taking Boston. Boston had a fantastic regular season. Uh, best team in the league by far. I don't know how much that carries over, uh, but they are just they were really good. I mean, best team in the league. What more do I need to say? So, yeah, Boston, taking them over Washington. And I'll give them... I'm taking them in five because I just... if. Washington has to play with Holtby. I don't give them a chance as soon as they start facing a legitimate team in Boston. Yeah, I, I know I pointed out before, but one of my favorite things about this format is that we really have no idea what any of the matchups beyond the playing round are going to look like. It's, it really could be anything. And so I have got Tampa Bay versus Pittsburgh in round two, which is a series that probably that would have only happened like in the third round and now it's happening in the second round and i think it, it would be awesome to see the series happen in the second round and i'm picking the lightning in seven games these are two powerhouse teams and i just think tampa bay is, is better and i think they they proved it last season when they got 62 wins and the possibly like on paper maybe even you could argue slightly better with the addition of kevin shattenkirk this year and the progression of some of their younger players this year even though they did get off to a slow start they've been like on that similar pace since about December. And I th- I just think, like, I mean, yeah, of course, Pittsburgh could win. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm picking Tampa Bay. And the other series I've got is Boston versus Philadelphia. I'm picking the Bruins over the Flyers in seven games. And I, I do think that I was thinking maybe making it shorter than seven, but like five or six. But I kept on coming back to how great Philadelphia was doing for, like, 
two months leading into the break and that I really think they'll be able to stick that landing and keep it going. And I think they'll really challenge Boston and push push them to their limits. You know, I think Philly is an interesting team. I know I picked Carolina in the last round over Philly, but I think if the matchups shake out, right, you said it, right? We don't we really don't know the matchups. They're going to be completely determined by every single in, how each series pans out. And I think if Philly falls onto the other side of my Eastern bracket here, uh, and if they did end up facing Washington, or no, they wouldn't face Washington, but if they were in that side of the bracket, uh, I think Philly-Boston, uh, you have, I think I would take Philly because I think they're very interesting. I think Carolina would beat them, but I just think some real spice going on there in Philadelphia. Yeah, interesting. All right, uh, moving on to the West. Uh, I have one, two, three, four. So Dallas-St. Louis. Uh, let's, let's, you know, I just... You know, Dallas, I, you said it earlier. It just feels like, you know, Dallas kind of feels like the odd one out within the playing teams. Uh, and so, yeah, that's why I'm taking St. Louis here. Uh, and, I mean, there's not much more I'm going to dive into this series. I think, you know, Dallas, the depth is all right. I think St. Louis has really rocketed uh, this season uh, and even last season, of course, when they won the cup. Uh, so, yeah, St. Louis in six. Solid stuff. Next up, uh, Colorado Vegas. This is an interesting one. Uh, I think both of them, Stanley Cup contenders, uh, both of them. And But, you know, I don't like Vegas as a team. I've said it many times before. And I really like Colorado now that they're fully healthy. I think they're going to be absolutely rolling uh, because, I mean, this team was elite. They kept afloat despite, you know, they lost Landis Gog for huge parts of the season. Brandon as well. Uh, and, you know, McKinnon was absolutely electric. And so I think this one's going seven. I think this... This is going to be a very exciting series if it does end up happening. Uh, so, yeah, I'm taking Colorado on this one. In my Western Conference round two, I've got Colorado versus Edmonton and St. Louis versus Vegas. Uh, I'm picking the Avalanche over the Oilers in six games. I know the Oilers have McDavid and Dreisaitl, but Colorado's got McKinnon, Renton, and Landeskog, which is like at least comparable. And then Colorado destroys Edmonton in every other facet of the lineup, which is kind of, you know, it shines through in their lineup. And both we both, uh, not you actually, but I predicted they would finish number one in the, the round robin. So I think Colorado is is very serious this year. They're in it to win it, and I think they'll beat the Oilers. Then I got St. Louis versus Vegas. Uh, tough one to predict, but I'm leaning towards the Blues in six. Uh, it just felt like they, I mean, they won the Stanley Cup last year, and uh, they didn't slow down at all this season. If anything, they've gotten better. So if they've proven that they can stay that good after that extended off season of celebrating, then I have a feeling that this four four and a half month break or so probably won't slow them down that much either. So uh, we've got the same matchup going into the Western final, uh, but let's go to the East. That is Tampa Boston for me, and I mean it just feels we both right have Tampa back. Boston in the East oh, also. Shit. Oh shit! I didn't know you. Fuck. We're the same final four. Okay, solid stuff. Uh, so I think we picked one two one two in both conferences. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. and I mean, look, Tampa Boston. It feels right to have them as that matchup. To be totally honest, uh, in a normal year, they face off in the second round, right? And I just, I mean, they were the two best teams in the East and the two best teams in the league, honestly. Uh, so it feels right to, to have them in the third round instead of the second. And so if the conference format does end up giving us this uh, this matchup. I'll be very happy because, you know, it, it, it feels right to have these these two teams at the end uh, of the Eastern bracket. Uh, so the matchup, I don't know. I just, I really like Tampa this year. I think this is their year. Uh, and, you know, they had some, you know, you know problems with the, 
the mental aspect of the game last year. I think they were riding high off of that regular season, but they're not riding high because the regular season was four months ago. Uh, and talent-wise, yeah, I think Tampa has it. I think depth, they've got it. Uh, goaltending, I think it's pretty equal. Both absolutely fantastic, both Vezina nominees. Uh, so, I, you're right. They were both Vezina nominees, right? Rask was nominated. Uh, so, yep. yeah, uh, it's just, it's, I mean, this is the series, right? If it does end up happening, Tampa, Boston, very exciting. But, you know, I think Tampa's, you know, fucking excuse the pun, but they're electric. And uh, so, yeah, uh-huh. I'm taking Tampa here again. Uh, Tampa, I think they're winning the East. Uh, and I think, you know, seven games. Why the hell not? Uh, and if this does happen, holy shit, I'll be watching the shit out of every single game. Because, yeah, two best teams in the league this year. Yeah. Uh, this is honestly a testament to this playoff format as opposed to the divisional one. Uh, in a normal year, Tampa-Boston would happen in the second round. So would Colorado-St. Louis. That would, that would both happen in the second round. But when, in fact, these are, I mean, the two best teams in their respective conferences, that should be a matchup that lines up to meet in the conference finals, as long as, of course, as long as both teams make it there. So I really hope that every, that this format gets a lot of great feedback, and I think it will, at least the format of the playoffs will. And maybe the NHL considers switching out the divisional thing. I don't know. Kind of hope it happens. Anyway, not really the point. I'm also picking Tampa Bay over Boston in seven games. This would have the makings of being a legendary series. I just realized, actually, I had Tampa up against Toronto, Pittsburgh, and Boston in my prediction. And I had every series going seven games. So I I think yeah, LA, the LA Kings did that in 2014. They won... Uh, the first three series all in seven games. That would be pretty impressive if Tampa Bay managed to do that again. And in the West, Colorado versus St. Louis, I'm picking the Avalanche in six. I think that their uh, terrible injury luck over the course of the season is what really helped St. Louis distance themselves from the Avalanche for first in the West. And I think with a healthy team, with both teams healthy or at least comparably injured luck, then I think the Avalanche are better. And that's why I think the Avalanche would beat them. Yeah, so I didn't make my West pick yet, but here we go. Uh, I'm also taking Colorado. I didn't six games uh, because, yeah, I just think this is a better team. I think they have more talent on paper. And with this uh, this whole break thing, I think everything else, you can kind of basically toss it out the window. And so Colorado. So funny enough, here we go. All uh, Despite our many different matchups uh, and funky combos between teams, it's led us to the same combination in the Stanley Cup final, uh, which is sure has. Tampa Bay versus Colorado. And I got to say, if this does end up happening, man, what a what what a series this would be. I mean, just the talent on both teams is is just spectacular. Uh everywhere, every, the, the offense, the defense, the goaltending. I mean, this would be a series for the ages. And uh I mean, I think we need that here in 2020. And so I hope I hope that this is what ends up happening because Tampa Colorado, one hell of a series. Uh having a tough time picking which one I would pick. Seven games for sure. Uh, so this this really would be one hell of a series, I would think. Uh, but in the end, I'll give it to Tampa. A beautiful redemption story after completely flopping last year. Uh, but I just, they're so talented. The skill is everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, I mean, they've got the they've got Kucherov, obviously, who hasn't been great this year, but, you know, it's Kucherov. Uh, Hedman, Vasilevsky, everywhere you look, you, you see a superstar. Uh, and the depth is there, too, to back it up. Uh, so, yeah, Tampa Bay, my pick right here. Calling it right now. 
for the Stanley Cup of 2020, the COVID Cup. Yeah, it's one of my things. Uh, always, I pick that the Stanley Cup final will go seven games just because I like it more fun when it happens like that. And it actually came true last year with St. Louis and Boston for the first time since 2011. So I'm doing that again, seven-game series. And in agreement with you, the Tampa Bay Lightning, that's my prediction. I, that was my prediction at the beginning of this season. And I didn't let up even when they came kind of stumbling out of the gate. So I'm glad to see. Remember, you had that stretch of time where you didn't think Tampa was even going to make the playoffs. And I kept telling you, no, no, they will, they will. And, uh, and look at that. They, they totally have. And you are predicting that they will win the Stanley Cup. And so am I because, you know, it would really, I don't think it would be fair. I mean, I know, I know that obviously sports aren't always fair, but it wouldn't be fair if the Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman era went by in Tampa Bay without a Stanley Cup because this is really an elite core. And they were the best team in the NHL last year. And I think it's fair to say the same this year. And they are, I mean, after flaming out last year, I really think they're going to show up ready to play. And a lot of people forget, like, these players, actually, they did go all the way to the Stanley Cup final in 2015, and they lost to Chicago in six games. So, like, Stamkos, Hedman, uh, Kucherov, Andre Palat, most of these players, or uh, a lot of the core was there. Braden Point wasn't. Vasilevsky was the backup. But, I mean, that's a couple guys. So they've made it far in the playoffs already. And so they've definitely got the makings to do, to do it again. And uh, I think they'll win. Okay. All right. We made it. We, we got through all the matchups. And both ha- we both have Tampa and seven in the end. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, you have anything? I think that's the end of the episode. We don't have a quiz this week. It'll be back next week. Uh, so anything else uh, you want to add before we sign off? I know I've got one bit of news that we've got to mention. Uh, all right. Well, so why don't you say that? All right. So you know we've been talking the last couple of weeks uh, when it comes to the Habs news. Uh, the big enigma of whether Max Domi would play, and it was announced uh, almost a week ago. It was shortly after our last episode. That he was playing. And so, you know, yet another piece of the puzzle. And it further bolsters my 5-12 pick uh, between Pittsburgh and Montreal. Montreal all the way, baby. Let's go. Uh, you know, actually, I just I realized that I think the NHL is announcing all the official 31-man rosters today at 5 Eastern. So maybe maybe poor timing. I guess we could have like done this show in the evening when we had all that news. But whatever. I guess it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, okay. The exhibition games are starting in two days now, and Montreal is going up against Toronto. And I think actually Toronto has, like, are like the only team that had already, like, officially announced their their full roster. Nick Robertson's on there. He's probably going to play, at least in the, the exhibition game, to get, like, a little bit of somewhat NHL action. And apparently Ilya Mikheyev looks better than ever before coming back from his injury. Yeah, that team is scary, man. But that's why I'm... I'm picking Columbus. I gotta manifest it. You know, I gotta say it out loud, speak it into existence that this team flops. Because you know, I, I don't think I would be able to take it if Toronto made it far. Even you know, let alone make it to the final, win the whole damn thing. I just I, I hate seeing Toronto make it any sort of success. So Columbus, please take them out. Yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing them go far just because looking at those defense pairings. I mean, they still they are still planning planning on playing Cody Cece next to Morgan Riley. Oh. So you look at that that those forward lines, and you you get scared. Then all of a sudden, you see Riley Cece on the top pair. As the opponent, I would kind of calm down a little bit. Yeah, good. Hopefully, Columbus can get that get that going. Uh, so yes, that's I, I've got two prayers. I've got two miracle series here. It's in the, they're both in the East in the first round. It's Montreal and Columbus. If both of them happen, if both of them happen, I will be a very very happy 
bracket man. Yeah. Uh, the other thing um, I wanted to say, like the moment for me where I really realized like, wow, it's real. The NHL is actually coming back in the middle of the summer was when I, I looked ahead and I saw on the TV guide, Montreal Canadiens versus Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, 8 p.m. July 28th, original air date July 28th. That's when it kind of, that's when it kind of, I feel like hit me for the first time. Wow, they're actually doing this. They're actually returning to play. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's it's still kind of crazy. I mean, they're actually doing it and it's so close. I mean, these dates felt so far. I mean, hell, even this phase two lottery date when they announced it after phase one, uh, it felt like a million years away, but what, it's in two weeks now? So we're going to know who gets uh, Alexi Lafreniere in two weeks. Uh, it's just, it's all, it's, it's all going very fast. I'm just kind of zooming by. And, uh, you know, I am so excited to just like plop myself in front of the TV all day, just watching a bunch of hockey and just eating, just eating on the couch, everything going on, <laughs> go, go, go. Uh, and you know, I, I want, I want to know what that, that, you know, that TV viewing experience is going to be like, I think it's going to, I hope they don't screw it up for the love of God, because you know, uh, if you look at the MLB, who just started, uh, they had their opening day a couple days ago. You know, uh, all those cardboard for, people. I, first of all, first of all, I love the fucking cardboard people. I gotta say, <laughs> it, the comedic value is there. Um, but the one thing I request of the MLB, Rob Manfred, if you're listening, please take down the protective netting. You're not protecting anybody at this point. And just, I want to see them play bowling with the cardboard people with the foul balls, especially when you know they foul it back behind home plate. Fuck, you see like a bomb go off and nine people go down, but they're not nine real people. So they don't feel bad at all. You just kind of laugh at the screen. Uh, so, you know, I want that. I want that. Just take out the netting. That's one request I have for the baseball leagues. Uh, and they had the fake noise piped in. I don't like the fake noise. It's not fun. It's fucking boring. I want to hear the players talk. And I have the same view for, for hockey. If there's one wish, it's to just, I know they have, they've done, I think they've asked videos from the fans from different teams. Just hold back on that, please. I don't want to hear that. Uh, it's also artificial and weird, and and no, thank you. I just let me like mic up the ice or mic up the players. Fuck, let me hear what they're saying. Is it gonna be you know uh, TV friendly? Maybe not. But you know, get that five second delay going, uh, and bleep out the bad words, and it'll be just so much more entertaining. And that's what I, that's what I wish from the NHL going into this, going into the TV time. Yeah, I agree with you on pretty much all fronts there. I hadn't really, I hadn't done too much thinking about those cardboard people, but like, I feel like I don't remember. I like my dad was watching a game and I was in the room and they said something about like one of the cardboard people getting hit in the face, but like they didn't really move. Uh, I want them to make them extremely flimsy, flimsy, and the balls just go straight through them and make a hole in their bodies whenever it hits them. That that would be the ideal scenario. And in terms of the um, the artificial fan noise. I agree with you. I don't want it. I think it would be, it's just, you're just kind of, you're trying to make it seem like it's normal when it isn't like, it's okay. They're playing in an empty arena. That's fine. And we'll, we'll listen to, you know, skates and pucks and stuff. And they are going to have it on a five second delay to, uh, you know, try and bleep out any bad words that the players may say, because honestly, I know, I know most will probably agree with me. I wouldn't be personally bothered to hear the players swearing. It's just like, you know, the slurs that are probably thrown around, especially homophobic, misogynistic slurs that they are probably that they probably utter on a regular basis. I really don't want to hear that. Uh, even though, when you, when you really think about it, like hearing the players say things like that uh, would probably lead to having them be held more accountable. I mean, obviously these TV networks don't want to air that kind of thing, 
but if it's it's probably going to be more open to stuff like that happening to and to us being able to see what they're saying it it's probably going to mm-hmm. cause a stir yeah i mean uh, it's just it's 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 a it's an interesting line to tell right i think there's a lot of things to take into account but in the end you know we watch sports for a sense a sense of authenticity right uh if it's rigged other than if you why you're a WWE fan it's not particularly interesting and I know fan noise isn't rigging the games, but there's an aura of fakeness to it. And I don't appreciate it. I'll just say that. Uh, so, you know, get I mean, look, I've seen other sports that they've done. I think like sumo comes to mind. Uh, I've watched a bunch of that where they don't have fan noise and they had a tournament where they had no fans and it was weird. It was silent, but you could hear the players and it was interesting. I gotta say, you know, like it, it's no matter what you do, it's a weird, it's a weird circumstance. But I say embrace the weird, and you know, you don't need, as you said, you don't need to pretend it's a normal year. And uh, yeah, it's funky, it's funky and it's fresh. But you know, I think it'll be very interesting if they just have, you know, sticks and pucks and all that going around. And fuck, I think it's a bit soothing when you hear that kind of stuff uh, because yeah, feels authentic, feels real. Uh huh. Yeah, I agree with you. They are gonna do the fan noise. Maybe if there's a bunch of negative feedback, then they'll take it out in later rounds. But I feel like what's probably going to happen is people will complain during the first two days, and then we'll all get used to it, slash forget about it, and they'll end up keeping it all the way through the playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, on the NHL, uh, that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, you know, maybe maybe put those cardboard people in. Uh, you know, that wouldn't be, that, that'd be just fun. And if a puck goes over the boards, take down the netting. Watch them get wiped out. Uh, I know, I know, you, the baseball guy. There was a home run the other day, and it like it took one of the people's heads off. The baseball did, and I thought that was pretty spectacular. <laughs> and so, you know, we need to see that. You know, just really embrace the weird, and you know, make it fun. For like that's it's it's a weird time. Everybody gets it. Everybody understands it. We're all living it. And so, you know, it's fuck. It's the first hockey we've seen in four months. It's really the first sports we've seen in four months. And so, you know, it's just prioritize the entertainment for the fans because really that's what they're doing it for, the money and the fans. And so, you know, I'm all for the, the, the crazy shit. No, so last thing maybe we can mention, unless you have something else, uh, our next episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast is going to be, I guess, unconventional because we are going to be recording it right after game one of the Montreal Pittsburgh series ends. So at around 11 PM on August 1st is when we'll start recording. And so it should be up uh, either the next day or if I'm, if I'm tired and don't feel like uploading it that night, or maybe uh, at like about, I don't know, one thirty or two in the morning on August 2nd. So that's something to look forward to a little quirk in our upcoming schedule. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be weird. We're going to have actual game to talk about uh, for the first time in how many episodes. But yeah, tune in. Turn your notifications on uh, because uh, you'll have some, you know, really, uh, what is it, up-to-the-minute uh, analysis because we're recording right after the game and we'll have other games to talk about. And uh, I am, I mean, it's just that much more real, right? Next episode, we're going to be we're gonna be recapping a game. It's crazy. Yeah, I think we'll be recording next episode during the... I think it's it's either Oilers, Blackhawks, or Flames, Jets. Uh, One of those games will be going on while we are recording our next episode. Okay, awesome. We'll we'll, we'll be sure to have 
the score and then we'll fuck maybe we'll have some live updates uh so yeah probably yeah so that's great um so i don't think you have anything bad i don't i certainly don't uh so shall we wrap it up yep that's it for this week's episode of fusion and hockey podcast you can follow us on instagram fusion and hockey podcast you can rate us five stars on apple Podcasts. you can follow us on twitter i put the handles in the description and have a very good week and a very good day This episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Sanborn's Boys. This new sports novel by Benji Mellers is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sanborn's Boys today.